Hi, welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. And today I'm talking about self-discipline when we're alone. I was reminded today of a story that I could tell on the podcast. And it's about my first trip when I was sober. And um, I don't think I've really, I haven't told anybody at work, um, like my boss, anybody who knows uh, about my sobriety. Well, now everybody knows about my sobriety, but before that, I'm not sure that I shared this with anyone. Um, So what happened was I, um, since I'm the marketing director, Um, Actually, at the time, I was a uh, digital marketing specialist, and I was in charge of events. So um, I had been planning this huge event for us to participate and have a booth at in, um, in San Francisco. So I had only been uh, working for the company for maybe a year, I think. And um, so I was in charge of getting the booth all set up and, um, and then I had to go there and actually man the booth with a couple other fabulous uh, peers of mine. And um, so this was, I was less than a year sober and um, so I was probably a little over a year employed at the company, but um, I was less than a year sober, and so this was a big deal for me to travel by myself um, through airports, which I love me some airport bars, and fly on a plane, which typically the, um, this, the, I'm not supposed to say stewardess, the flight attendant, there we go. The flight attendant um, is wearing the carpet down uh, on the path to my seat, bringing me glasses of wine. So it was always a drinking activity for me to travel. So um, I went to San Francisco by myself and stayed in a hotel by myself and went to and from this conference by myself every day and um what what I was afraid of was that I was not accountable to anyone you know like if I were to drink while I was on that trip nobody would have known about it um that was my thought process So I really didn't want to drink, but when you're an alcoholic, uh, sometimes there is this feeling like you have to drink, um, like it's almost out of your control. Like you, you, I, yeah, I don't know how else to say it. You have to drink. And so I was, I was just afraid of these, uh, overwhelming feelings and, and I really wanted to stay sober. And I, at that time in my sobriety, felt like 
wine was just gonna jump out from a bush <laughs> and and just dump itself down my throat. Um, I just was so scared about feeling like I didn't have any willpower. Um, so what ended up happening was I really stayed hyper-focused on the conference itself while I was there. And then after the last day, my other coworkers had plans. So they went off to go be with people that they knew uh, on the West Coast. And I was left by myself um, the evening before I was going to be heading back to the East Coast. So I set out from my hotel room and decided I was going to go find a place to eat. So I walked around the block where my hotel was and I just kept thinking in my head, nobody would know, but I don't want to drink. Nobody would know, but I don't want to drink. Well, I ended up walking around that block at least three times just I kept just walking and walking because I'm like if I keep walking if I don't stop I'm not going to be able to drink you know if I don't stop anywhere I won't drink and then there was this this kind of decision I made um this security in my sobriety that finally settled into my gut as I was walking and I approached, I kind of slowed down and I, and I approached what looked like kind of a, it looked like a bar, but it also looked like a restaurant, like half and half. And I looked at the sign outside and they, um, I don't know, they had some sandwiches or something like that. So I decided that I was going to go in and, and so it turned out that the only place to really sit was at the bar because there weren't, uh, the tables weren't being used or something. So I sat up at the bar and I looked at the sign next to me and it was an advertisement for a gigantic uh, hot fudge sundae inside a martini glass. <laughs> and I just kind of smiled under my breath and the bartender came over and I said, I'll have one of these. And so he brought it over. And so I sat at the bar and I don't remember what sport was playing, but there was something on TV and I think it was football. And, um, and so the other couples kind of were looking over at me a little bit. And I was just on cloud nine eating my ice cream cone. And it was that moment where I had made that decision or that security in my sobriety just settled in my gut when I decided I can stop. I feel confident that I can do this. Um, I was also thinking in my head, I'm not alone. I may be alone, physically alone, but I'm not alone. There, and I was thinking of this concept of my higher power that I have, all of these people outside of me who um, are on my team, you know, and want me to stay sober. And, um, and this is when I was also starting to try to build this concept of God in my head and 
And I thought, well, if there really is one, um, I'm definitely not alone. So I went in there and I, and I didn't feel alone and I didn't drink that night. And so I was thinking about this, um, this idea because I never had that happen before then. There were so many times that I tried to not drink. I tried to, I went uh, on trips and I tried to not drink, but I just couldn't. You know, there were times when I was left home alone and the kids were gone and, um, and I didn't want to drink, but I did. Um, and I felt like, well, I'm alone, so nobody's going to know. And it wasn't until that one time in San Francisco that I realized that I wasn't alone. And from that point on, I have never, ever felt alone since that night in San Francisco. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about this idea of being disciplined and, um, and not giving in to temptations and, um, and advocating for myself. Um, and as usual, pulling some parallels between my recovery and sobriety and my stroke recovery, because believe it or not, there are times that I may have my, my cell phone, for example, and uh, actually the best example is this morning because I actually did this. I had logged on to my sobriety meeting this morning and I just wasn't totally filled up from the meeting, like emotionally, spiritually, I just didn't feel like it was enough. So I wanted to go to another meeting. And since I was listening to a meeting, I didn't want to turn voiceover on, on my Mac because then I would have two voices. I'd have the meeting voices and then I'd have the voiceover voice <laughs> from my Apple device. And it would uh, have been confusing and kind of overwhelming. I've done it before. It's a little overwhelming. So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to find another meeting. I'm just going to use my eyes and find another meeting. Well, wouldn't you know, I was miserable until about noon today. Um, that was about 8 o'clock. And so it took uh, four hours for me to heal from... Actually, I because at noon I took a nap. So it was really until about 3 o'clock today that I felt recovered from that decision that I was going to find another meeting on the computer. And had I been sitting downstairs with my boyfriend beside me, I probably wouldn't have done it. I probably would not have log like logged on to search for a sobriety meeting uh, with my eyes because he would have scolded me. And so that was a I mean, I don't know, scolded me, whatever. He would have been like, you really think you should do that? Or something like that. I don't know. Or he would have remained quiet and I would have just felt guilty <laughs> doing it, knowing that it was bad for me. Um, but you get my point. So uh, it's 
it's that same idea where I was alone, nobody's watching, and I still need to have self-discipline. So I'm learning a lot about myself through just as I, I learned so much in sobriety, um, there's still so much more to learn. And I have to continuously expose myself to the, uh, the environment, the people, um, you know, my sobriety meetings, uh, support, therapists, doctors, I need to continuously expose myself to all of that stuff to continue to encourage me that this self-discipline is going to be worth it on the other side. So I started um, digging into a little bit the difference between willpower and self-discipline. And, um, and it made a lot of sense to me. So I want to talk about that. But, but first, uh, I wanted to mention that this second sobriety meeting that I decided to log on to today, um, what I, what I was searching for was what came in my head was, I wonder if I can find a sobriety meeting for disabled people. Like I, it never even crossed my mind. I thought, I wonder if they have something like that. Um, I, I'm sure they do, but it, it's, it's the first time it had ever crossed my mind. So I tried to search for it, but um, that didn't last very long before my head started hurting and I had all these sensations in, behind my, uh, in my head and stuff. So I had to stop. So when I stopped, I thought, well, I'll just go to this um, meeting that I've gone to before, which is fairly big. I think there's like 80 people or something like that that show up to this meeting in Virginia Beach um, on Zoom. So, so I showed up to that meeting and um, I'm just listening in and this person shared about how they recently went to go visit an old friend who had been in an accident and was now a paraplegic and how inspired he was when he sat down with him and the guy was talking about all of the opportunities and things that he's going to do and how he's going to have a great life anyway. And I thought, huh, <laughs> this is fascinating that I'm sitting here, that, that, this, that I would be hearing this right now because this is exactly what I was looking for. You know, and this meeting that I found is just a regular old meeting. Um, so... I was, I was taking some notes and I thought, yeah, like, um, the steps I take today in this stroke recovery are going to strengthen my determination for a living a more 
joyful life, to having a more joyful tomorrow. This is what I was thinking when this guy was talking about the paraplegic. And then the next person who who spoke um, was a blind person. And, uh, and, the, and the person said that they were not born blind, but they became blind about 10 years ago and was talking about focusing on the things that, that they can do. And I was like, I mean, it, it's incredible. It really is. It's incredible what happens when you just show up for life. And that happened to me this morning. Yesterday, actually for the past two days, my boyfriend and I have been having some some conversations about our future and what what is in store depending on what my recovery looks like. And you can imagine after doing this so far for it's been two years and two months that I'm feeling very discouraged that anything is going to change at this point. Um, I am still going to the, the vision therapist. I'm going to the neurologist. But in the past two months since I made this decision to go to the neurologist or the vision, well, both, Uh, the vision therapist, I haven't actually been able to go into the office because my symptoms were so bad that it was too painful for me to get there and then do therapy. So I had just been doing it over the phone. And then uh, the neurologist, well, I've shared with you my frustrations with getting this MRI, which still hasn't happened, mind you. Um, but, but over the past two, two months, nothing has happened to speak of. Um, I have made some progress with this one exercise that I do with vision therapy, where I look back and forth between the cards, and I've talked about it several times. And and that's it. Um, I can't look at a computer any longer than I could before. I can't look at my phone any longer than I could before. In fact, um, today I walked my dog over to um, this school right next to my house and let her run around. And there were times that I looked at it like I looked up at a tree or something like that and I just had this really really funky feeling in my head um scary funky feeling in my head and and when that happens I just think you know nothing's gonna change I'm gonna this is this is it this is the way I'm gonna be and um and so anyway my boyfriend and I were talking about plans like what does life look like if I can't go back to work? What, uh, what are we going to do? You know, um, I was sharing with him how I feel very much like I'm just 
uh, oh, I can't think of the, I used a good word with him. Um, but just feeling like I'm not contributing at all to our livelihood, um, by just by doing my podcast and, and doing hobbies and trying to occupy myself and cleaning and taking care of the dogs. I just don't feel 100% fulfilled. But beyond that, I don't feel like I'm contributing financially um, to our household. And that's difficult for me um, because I want to always be have that feeling of independence. And so he was very encouraging to me about uh, he started, he's so good at this, started talking about like some exciting plans that we could look into if it were to turn out that I couldn't go back to work. And there's a lot of things that we don't know and don't understand about me not going back to work. I have no idea about the long-term disability. I don't have any idea about being disabled. I don't I don't know about, um, you know, keeping medical insurance when you're disabled, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, um, not to mention my, um, my company and my, I, 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 I don't have any idea how any of that works. And, and I have been really ignoring it almost because, I just have this hope, you know, I have this hope that um, things are going to go back to normal, um, even though I almost feel that I need to start accepting that they're not going to. Um, so anyway, this is like my internal battle. Um, so what do I do with all of this? What do I do in this time where I'm by myself all the time? Um, in order for me to have my greatest potential of recovery, I've got to practice self-discipline. I can't get on my computer when nobody's, you know, looking and then destroy my eyes in a matter of 60 seconds and then have to recover for six hours. Um, that's not good. I have to have self-discipline constantly. It doesn't take uh, but a minute to wreck my head for, for hours. And so, um, so I was looking into what's the difference between self-discipline and willpower because self-discipline is not willpower. They are two different things. And I've learned about willpower and sobriety and that me not picking up a drink is not willpower. Um, if it was willpower, I would never would have been able to get sober. There's something else that that's happening in sobriety. So um, in my program, we call it our higher power and um but there are also other suggestions where you imagine someone else you hold in high esteem and imagine that that person is watching you. Um, but I think the, the main difference between self-discipline and willpower 
is that will basically willpower does not feel good and self-discipline does feel good and so i'll try to give you some examples about this so when i was smoking back in the i smoked for a really long time <laughs> i smoked from like ninth grade in high school to i think i was about 42 I think it was like right around when I got sober so um I I stopped smoking so many times and I was trying to use willpower so willpower I'm I'm denying myself of a cigarette cigarette smoking feels good I'm denying myself of that and self-discipline is is different self-discipline is enjoyable it's doing something that feels good so it's reward based um, so I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I mean, when I, I don't know, I, I don't know if I have an example. My, my example is kind of falling apart here because for smoking, the way that I quit smoking was that I started vaping and then, uh, I slowly decreased the nicotine until I got to zero and then I, put the vape down and I didn't smoke anymore but today it does take self-discipline to not pick up a cigarette because to this day I still love the smell of uh, cigarettes and wish I could smoke if it if it wasn't going to kill me I would still be smoking um, so self-discipline is more I think what I have been doing in sobriety. There is a lot of gentle self-talk. There's a lot of self-acceptance. It's, it's a lot of, um, if I were to pick up a drink, that does not make me a bad person. It makes me a person with a disease. And if I do not pick up a drink, there it, it is reward-based because there are so many, we call them the promises in the program, but there's so many rewards if I uh, <clears throat> don't pick up a drink and I stay sober. So self-discipline is also detaching any moral impact uh, from from whether you do the, uh, uh, how do I word that? <laughs> there are, there is no moral impact to whether you pass or fail, whatever it is that you're trying to self-discipline yourself. That, that was totally not phrased <laughs> very well, but anyway, you know what I mean? Um, it means I'm not a bad person. I'm not a failure if, I pick up a drink and it's also knowing that 
the emotions that are involved in disciplining ourselves are signals. And uh, for example, for example, if I go to a happy hour and there are a whole bunch of people around me drinking and I start getting irritated or jealous or just plain old grouchy, that emotion is a signal to me. And if I continue to stay grouchy or jealous or whatever else I said, um, then staying in that emotion is a choice. And so these are very methodical um, ways of like getting to know yourself. You're learning a lot about yourself through self-discipline. Um, now, willpower is much different. Willpower, we can handle in lots of different ways. If I say I'm not going to drink and I'm just sustaining or sustaining, refraining from drinking, then if I pick up a drink, I'm going to feel guilty. I'm not replacing drinking with anything. I'm just going to not do it. I'm going to not change anything in my life other than not picking up a drink. And so if I do it, if I end up picking up a drink, which odds are I'm going to because I haven't filled that gap with anything rewarding, I'm just plain old denying myself of alcohol or denying myself of cigarettes. Well, if I do it, I'm going to feel guilty. I'm going to feel shameful. Um, you know, I was thinking, um, <laughs> I walked my dog today over to the school, and there was this couple, they were pushing a, a stroller with a little baby in it, and there was a little girl who was with who was riding a bike or on a bike with training wheels and she was trying to learn how to ride her bike and she was just throwing a fit I mean absolutely throwing a fit she couldn't figure it out and the parents were getting really frustrated and uh it was everything I could do to not go over there and try to help um not that I'm the master uh bike riding trainer, but I did train all of the kids in my neighborhood um, all together at one time in my driveway in one day. I mean, in an hour, I had like four kids all learned how to ride the bike um, because I'm a wizard. And um, anyway, so this little girl was just crying and and she was like, I can't do it, you know, and um and so finally, I heard the parents go, you don't even want to learn. You don't even want to learn. And I was thinking, I feel like that poor kid is, they're just making the kid feel ashamed, you know? Um, now, granted, they all should have walked away 
they should have walked the bike home and tried a different day when everybody wasn't all pissed off. But um, that's an example of not being able to learn through guilt and shame. Um, Also, if I were to, through willpower, not drink, and I end up uh, breaking my willpower and, and picking up a drink, most likely I'm going to overindulge in drinking. And that is, that's really what ends up happening when people decide to quit on their own and not go through a sobriety program. They will quite often um, keep themselves from the alcohol. And then when they uh, just run out of willpower, they'll pick up a drink and they'll overindulge. And that's when it gets dangerous and people end up um, drinking themselves to death. Um, There's also with willpower, this self-loathing. I mean, imagine, I know what it feels like because I spent years trying to quit drinking and, um, and picking up a drink. And there's just this self-loathing. Like I, suck. I'm a horrible person. I'm never going to be able to get sober. And um, I'm just going to be this is this is what I was meant to be in life, nothing. And, um, and you begin to have like this distorted view on everything. It's just there's nothing good about it. um, Using willpower. Um, So That's how I see the difference between self-discipline and willpower. Um, What I need to do um, is, is continue to practice acceptance that this neurological vision impairment and whatever else is going on, because there's something else going on, some sort of cognitive impairment. I I can't really uh, put it into words. I'm just, I'm trying to write down notes to um, whenever I have some sort of symptom that I can't really explain. I just write down what happened and see if I can meet with the neurologist about it. But all of this that's happening is is a part of me. And it, it possibly may never go away. And, um, I, I, I have this internal battle as far as do I practice acceptance that it's not going to go away and that I'm going to be like this or do I keep fighting? Like when, when is time up? When do I stop fighting and, and figure out what I'm going to do with my life this way? Um, I, I don't know. I think I'm supposed to keep fighting right now because I'm still going to the vision therapist and the neurologist. So I think I'm supposed to keep fighting, but the way that I keep fighting is that I need to practice self-discipline and it's not willpower, it's self-discipline. I need to reward myself with, um, with things that feel good. Um, not drinking 
what the way that I'm rewarded is that there is this new clarity in life and I'm able to do so much more. I'm able to, um, to be present. And these are, these are the promises. You know, I, I, I am more financially stable. I, I don't regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Um, I'm able to, to be here for other people. These are the rewards of my sobriety. And so what are the rewards right now for my stroke recovery? I have to figure that out. And um, so I'm kind of teeing myself up for tomorrow's episode because we're going to talk through what are the rewards? I shared a while ago that I bought some stickers and these are hope stickers. And any day that I feel hope, um, I put a sticker on my mirror. So right now I have one, two, three, four, five stickers on my mirror. And these make me feel good. It's, it's, this goes back to like the happy chemicals episode where I'm like, I need to um, get a shot of dopamine or something, you know, by giving myself a sticker. But there's more. I need more. I need more reward. So I'm teeing us up for tomorrow. We're going to talk about rewarding ourselves so that when we make these uh, what appear to be monumental efforts, it doesn't really feel so much like that. It feels like small steps that are very rewarding um, and joyful and full of serenity. So uh, that's where we're at. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.